Sorry, joined by Jacob Eisenberg, who is the community lead for Dapper Labs, the brains behind the NBA Top Shop. And it's been so popular, such a hit, Jacob. So I'm going to start with the basics. Uh, I appreciate you giving us a little kind of 411 on it, because I think a lot of people out there are seeing the, this craze with it. And the number one thing they're thinking is, what is NBA Top Shot, like in the most simplest of explanations? Yeah, I think NBA Top Shot's the future of digital collectibles. So if you look at the, the sports memorabilia world, uh, we have over a century's worth of kind of history with trading cards and helmets and posters and jerseys. And there's this whole culture around collecting sports memorabilia. And what NBA Top Shot has done is digitize that experience. So this all exists on the blockchain. So I think the easiest analogy or analog would be digital trading cards where you open up a pack of digital moments. So unlike a still image on a piece of cardboard, this is a multimedia highlight of a moment from NBA history. So we get the best moments from NBA history. We mint them onto the blockchain in scarcity with uh, authenticated ownership. So you can open up a pack because it's all on this blockchain ledger. We can tell who owns which moments and we can uh, guarantee that that moment is minted in scarcity. So there is going to be a very fixed supply of every single one of these moments to ensure that they're limited and rare and hard to get. Now, I understand the breakdown of that. And, and again, I've, I've, I've gotten into the NBA Top Shot. I think it's great. I think, and I'm a guy who loved, you know, growing up with trading cards. So the basics though, someone may be listening and say, okay, blockchain technology, the scarcity, the numbering, how, how does it unique? Okay, I get, I open up a pack, I get a Tyler Hero, uh, uh, you know, one of 15,000, it's numbered 3,100, okay? How is that unique to me that I know, okay, it's mine, I'm the only one who has it? Yeah, so one of the, the beauties of blockchain is that we can trace the true ownership of you have 3,001, we can trace the true ownership of one through 3,000, we can trace the true ownership of one through 15,000. So every single one of those moments, we'll use cards for, again, the analogy here. Each of those cards will have uh, a guaranteed serial number. So one of 15,000, 1499 of 15,000, right? And with all of those, we're gonna be able to tell exactly who owns which moment. And because all of the serial numbers are unique, no two moments are exactly the same. So a lot of our collectors value the first mint that is serial number one or the player's jersey match the most. So in Tyler Hero's case, number 14 would be super popular. So um, the lower numbers would be more valuable in a sense, or, or the ones you more so as a collector want to get? Generally speaking, yes. I think there are a lot of different collector mentalities, and that's part of what makes Top Shop so exciting and unique and fun, is that you know some collector might actually value uh, 2019 for Tyler Hero because that's the draft class year, or they might value his birth year. I, off the top of my head, I would guess that's like 2000 or 2001. So he's just 21, so he's a young guy. So for every single player, there's kind of an origin story that you can make a rational argument that a specific serial number for that player is more valuable than maybe for a different player. Jacob, I know you've heard this over and over as people get a grasp of what this is and try to understand it, but the common thing I get when I tell people, hey, I like this, this is kind of cool, especially my friends that are old friends of mine, collectors of trading cards is, their answer is, wait, well, couldn't you just go to NBA.com or YouTube and pull that video and just get it? What do you say to the people who think that way? Okay, I've seen that video, I can get it anywhere I want. 
Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting is we hear that feedback a lot and most prevalently it actually comes from the trading card industry and the collectors in the trading card space. And I think what's funny about that is for decades, I'm sure they've been ridiculed by people that don't understand the value of a piece of cardboard with a still image about what makes that valuable. So I think, you know, we, we've had some $100,000, $200,000 sales on NBA Top Shot. And I think there's certainly some sticker shock there. And I, I get it. But when you contextualize it in the world of trading cards, where just yesterday a Luka Doncic uh, autograph, autograph card went for $4.6 million and the LeBron James rookie card went for uh, $1.8 million last year. Like at the end of the day, what's the difference between going to Google, typing in LeBron James rookie card, getting that exact card, hiring a $500, $1,000 graphic designer to make a, a perfect replica of that card, print it out and put it up on your wall. At the end of the day, unless it's authenticated and truly licensed by the NBA, the value value isn't there. So because we have a partnership with the NBA and the Players Association, all of these moments are minted with authenticated kind of licensing from the league and are kind of, again, you can you can identify true ownership and, and its scarcity, whereas I think there actually might be in the physical trading card space, maybe uh, a little bit more risk that someone is forging one of these. Or damaging. I mean, the, the, another thing, too, is damaging the card. Obviously, a digital card isn't going to get damaged. I mean, it is what it is. It's numbered. It's there. Uh, I, I, you mentioned some of those numbers, and I think there is that sticker shock. People are like, wait a minute. Did, did I just see a Kendrick Nunn for $3,000? Wait, wait, what? How? Uh, do you, are you at all surprised with the way – I know that financially, you know, people put numbers on things, but are you surprised with how much the sales, the interest, the amount of money involved – in what, four months that this has been out or so, the way it's taken off? I, I guess I'm surprised how quickly it's happened. And I think, you know, be it Kendrick Nunn, I, I can't speak to which moment that was exactly, but um, all of the moments similar to trading cards, we're going to add a rookie badge for any rookie player's moment. So in Kendrick Nunn's case, he, you know, first team all rookie last season, he's going to get that rookie badge. And I think there's kind of, if you're very big on Kendrick Nunn's long-term future, like there's a justification to be made. Um, I think certainly there, there's going to be uh, the superstars in the league, the best rookies of the league, their, their moments are going to continue to be super, super valuable and coveted from the community because we look at NBA Top Shot as this is the first four months, first six months of what we, what we think will be a multi-generational platform, right? We, we think that this will be around for... Uh, not only our kids, but our grandkids and our, our great grandkids. So um, I absolutely think that we're still in the like bottom of the first inning when we're talking about what Top Shot can be. Um, and when it comes to maybe the more kind of filler moments that you get in a pack, I think there will be maybe uh, some let less of a speculative market around those moments as time progresses and, and people uh, start to have maybe a little less uh, bullish uh, attitude toward maybe a role player that they, they don't have a strong impulse as to why that moment is so valuable. Yeah, and I, I think too, you, you mentioned scarcity earlier, and that's a big part of the trading card business is, okay, they, you know, you get a Luka Doncic card, but it's mass produced, you can get it anywhere, or you get one that's out of 100. And I know you guys have very limited runs. There are certain cards that only have three in existence. There are some that have 15,000, but as the long-term plan, you're only four, six months in, as you said, as the long-term plan, how much is scarcity yet 
kind of the ability to get to the mass population and you have more produced, how do you balance that knowing that the scarcer the car or the moments, the more valuable, yet you want the general public to have a chance at getting some of these moments? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think like to maybe to rephrase what I was just saying, like when we look at these astronomical prices, even for these role players, I think in the context of things, 15,000 to our current youth, uh, our current collector base might seem like a lot, but in reality, Luka Doncic had 15,000 Panini Prism uh, cards sent into PSA for grading. So for someone not initiated in the trading card space, that means there have been over 15,000 Luka Doncic Panini Prism cards that a collector has sent to a grading company to tell them whether it's a mint condition 10 or an eight out of 10. There's probably like five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 times that many cards actually out there. Those are just the ones people sent. That's exactly right. So if you extrapolate that out, like I think we're, again, 15,000 for a collector base of just over 100,000. Yeah, that's not incredibly scarce. But when you're thinking about over a billion NBA fans worldwide, and one of the beauties of this all being digital is this has so much more potential to be international than the trading card space potentially does just because shipping doesn't have to be an issue here. It's instantaneous transfer of ownership. Um, so there, there's a lot of that going on. And yeah, I think to answer the question, we have three different tiers of, of moments right now. We have common moments, we have rare moments, and we have legendary moments. Common moments, we're going to continue to increase those addition sizes to, to meet the scale of our growing collector base. So uh, right now, the, the largest addition size is 15,000. That's soon going to be 25, maybe 50, even 100,000. When we're talking about rare moments, we're minting those with a, a keen attention to detail to keep the circulating count, the addition size of each of those moments under a thousand. Mm -hmm. If that's sustainable long, long term, who knows? But for right now, that's our, our certain kind of uh, intention. And then when we're talking about legendary moments, it's kind of that same premise with rare, but even on a more extreme level where no legendary moment will have more than 99 minted into circulation. So uh, those are always going to be kind of the, the, you know, maybe the whales of the community are going to be pursuing those moments uh, the most aggressively. But uh, certainly, I think, uh, as the collector base scales, even the, the most kind of uninitiated collector will have a chance to open up a pack and pull that LeBron James or that Tyler Hero or whoever it might be and get really excited because, uh, you know, again, they're, they're owning a moment from NBA history like never before. So you saw there's so much good with this product and so much excitement. And obviously when you start something, there's going to be, I don't want to call it bad, but how about we say glitches or, you know, sure. things to work through. And part of that is, I think, you know, getting accessibility to packs, the website itself, I know it's in beta, you know, right now getting that up to what you want it to be. How close are you? What's your vision for the ability for people that want packs to get packs, whatever they may cost and say, hey, I want to buy this pack just like you would walk into a trading card store or go on eBay or whatever and get packs. And number two is the website itself, the maintenance of it to be able to go on, trade, trade whatever you want, and not have the issues that maybe some have been having. Yeah, well, so I appreciate the question. And I think context is important here. Like, I think one of the things, as you mentioned, we're in beta. And one of the realities is we're creating a product that's never quite existed before, right? When you think about blockchain, historically, it's been just exchanges of currencies. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, those certainly are the big names. Mm -hmm. We're kind of trying to be the Trojan horse for collectibles on the blockchain so that you 
can never have dealt with Bitcoin or Ethereum or any kind of cryptocurrency in your life. And you can come to Topshot and you can have a really good experience without having to ever deal with an alternative currency because you can put down your credit card, you can withdraw to your US bank, and all of that kind of exists within the silo that is Topshot. Um, so when we're, we're, as we're building out this kind of revolutionary technology, we don't really have any precedent to lean on. We, we can't look at, oh, this is what they did in this situation. So I think those growing pains are, are very natural par for the course. And um, I think one of the things that we are, we're constantly kind of reiterating to our community is no one wants it to succeed more than us, right? Like I think my entire team is going on 80, 90, 100 hour weeks just trying to make it happen. Um, so it's certainly been, you know, all hands on deck and we had, we've, it, even in the last month, I would say like we were struggling to process hundreds of clicks per second, uh, a few, a few weeks ago, and now we're up to tens of thousands. So, I mean, that, that progress is exponential and it's going to continue to get better. Um, do I have kind of a clear light at the end of the tunnel of when we're going to leave beta? No, because I think it's important for us to be honest with our community and not rush us out of the gate. So we're going to be in beta until we feel like we have the, the mechanisms in place to get packs to new collectors. Um, certainly in the, in, I'd say the last three weeks, one of the biggest issues we've faced is that bots, uh, similar to the sneaker, sneaker market, bots have really infiltrated Topshop because they see a lot of value in hoarding supply. So one of the one of the common kind of questions we get is why don't you just make more common packs? Why don't you just make them always available? And you know, I think long term our hope is to get there, but in the short term, the reality is that wouldn't necessarily solve the problem because the inventory again would just be hoarded by all of these kind of scripted accounts. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Well, listen, it's a great product. Like I said, I, I love it, and I'm and it's funny hearing players talk about it or tweet about it. And I know a lot of it. Look, they're with the NBA; they want to push an NBA product, but you could tell some of them genuinely do like this. And your interactions with players or what you've heard from, uh, how much have players really told you or told, you know, Dapper that they love this product and they're into it? And do you get a lot of guys or even, you know, I know just fans saying, hey, this is the moment. I see a lot of the hashtag NBA Top Shot like moment, like, hey, this is a good moment, this done. How do you even pick the moment? So what do the players think? And how do you kind of go in picking moments when there are so many throughout the course of an NBA season? The players are loving it. Um, I think that they see an opportunity to engage with their fans um, and their community uh, in a new way that's never been done before. So certainly agencies and manage managers are coming to us seeing how can we get this player some packs to do giveaways with their fans? How can we get them to get closer to the product so that they can get closer to the community around Top Shot, which is growing kind of exponentially. Um, I heard one future Hall of Famer actually say, this is great. I never have to sign an autograph again because they can just kind of the old trading card. Not that people really want to mess up a trading card with a signature, but it is pretty popular. I guess you don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. Just, I got you on my phone. Well, one of the other cool things about it is because it's on blockchain, there's provenance of ownership. So you can theoretically get that moment from an NBA player. And that's kind of the autograph in itself. You can see, oh, that moment was sold to me by so-and-so. Oh, cool. Like that's the autograph on the blockchain, so to speak. Um, and then to answer the second question, how do we pick the moments? Uh, we work hand in hand with both the NBA and the Players Association. So there's no moment that makes it to Top Shot without two thumbs up from, from those partners. Um, 
certainly our team has been kind of stretched super thin. So I think, uh, you know, especially last year, as we were kind of proving the concept, I think we may have, uh, you know, tried to get as many moments to the platform as possible. Um, and I think now that we have a team that's kind of scaling up, we're going to have a little bit more ability to pick and choose which are the right moments to, to, to select. I think certainly, you know, you're clearly in Miami and one of the greatest moments in NBA history is the Ray Allen shot. So we get that question a lot of when's the shot coming. And I think like, just frankly speaking, there are so many considerations around these all time historic moments and how we roll them out. Do we want to roll them out as legendary moments because they are legendary moments or do we? That's in Miami, that's for sure. Yeah, or do we want to mint them as common moments so more people can get their hands on it, right? So there's a trade off and we're still kind of figuring out which is the, the best. I don't think there's a one size fits all and we're going to take that on a case by case. Um, but certainly if you look back into the archives of NBA history, if you look forward into kind of what the future looks like, uh, I think the sky's the limit. And, a lot of choices. And, yeah, a lot of choices. Absolutely. And, and I'm really excited for players to start kind of taking it one step further. And after they have a, a posterizing dunk in a game or they have their, their career high, I want them to have a podium moment where they're like, I want that on a top shot because then it comes really full circle. It's pretty incredible that, you know, you know this. It's going to probably get to that point. It's happened so quickly. And I know you're a busy guy, Jacob, so I appreciate the time. And, and again, this is more of a, a lot of this was introductory 401, kind of, you know, the basic information. But um, I think, you know, I think if you listen to this, you get a better understanding. Congrats on the success. I know you're nonstop, and I look forward to what uh, NBA Top Shots has ahead. Thank you so much, Will. Really a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I hope that my Knicks don't see your heat in the playoffs because I know that might be a first round matchup that I'm not looking forward to. But uh, the old days, the old days of I'm a little older than you, but the old days of Heat Knicks were fun. So I would love to see that that rivalry renewed. Absolutely, and Thibodeau and Pat Riley were certainly on the sidelines for both of those, so it would be fun. <laughs>